the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. It's a delight to uh, bring back to the show uh, my uh, boss and my old boss, Tom Klingenstein. He is the chairman, among other things. He is the chairman of the uh, Claremont Institute Board of Directors. He is a playwright. He is a philanthropist. He is a public speaker. He's a lot of things. All great. Tom, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm well, thank you. Uh, you have a, a piece in the American mind, uh, which is critical reading, The Appeal of Ron DeSantis. And it's kind of a interesting, a bit of a humorous start. You're working off of a uh, fundraising uh, uh, piece of mail that you uh, received from from him. Boy, the, by the way, I got to tell you, Tom, if you really want to get into the political science weeds, sign up for the Democratic mailing lists. I, I, I no, honestly, I get more material from Nancy Pelosi's fundraising. I got to tell you, it's really, it's really a joy. It, it, it almost writes my show every day. But well, you're a uh, more creative than I. <laughs> it's amazing the things they say to their their base. It's amazing the things we can talk about that later if you like. Um, you put in a squib over at Twitter in the Republican Party and the conservative movement. The great fault line is between those who believe we are in a cold civil war fighting for our lives and those who do not. We know on which side of the line Ron DeSantis, Florida stands. Uh, and I want to go into what you wrote, but uh, for those who are just kind of getting used to this kind of thinking and terminology, talk to us about the Cold Civil War that you see existing. Well, I think that um, this is a war, and in most fundamental and easiest to understand sense, this is a war between people who think, like DeSantis, like Trump, like me and you, said, who believe America is good. In fact, as good as it gets however flawed it might be. That's on the one side, and that the other side are those uh, like Nancy Pelosi and the left broadly that thinks America is bad. Well, if you think America is bad, then you want to destroy it, right? And that's where we are. It's not so much different than the South uh, pre-Civil War. One side thought slavery was good and wanted to expand it. The other side, bad, wanted to contract it. Well, you can't have a society where where two societies are moving in opposite directions. And to some degree, to a great degree, I think that's what we have now. We have two understandings of justice, of what a just society is. Um, the traditional America thinks that uh, America is about individual freedom, pursuing life, liberty, and happiness. But what the other side, what I call woke comms, believes, is that a just society is one where all identity groups, black, Hispanic, women, gays, whatever, are equal, right? Group equality. And the problem is that a society built on individual freedom will always have group inequalities between men and women, 
and among various subcultures. So it can exist with a society that seeks outcome equality, and it requires, it's going to move from one to another. If you have our culture, outcome inequality, try to move it to outcome equality. You can only do that by force. You can only do that by tyranny. And in fact, maybe to make this, another way to think about this very um, simply is that in the woke regime, freedom is racist. Why is, free, why is freedom racist? Because freedom, if you let people do what they want, will lead to group inequality. Freedom is racist. Think about that. I don't think it could be any clearer uh, the nature of this divide. And I think, as I wrote in my uh, piece that Seth referred to, DeSantis gets this, it seems to me. And he's one of the few politicians, Trump got it, I think. He can't articulate it as clearly as DeSantis. But by and large, the Republican establishment, and I'm including other people who are talked about as presidential aspirants, you know, Pompeo, Hawley, um, Tom Cotton, Pence, to be sure, I don't think they understand the nature and the degree of the conflict in the way both Trump and DeSantis does. I agree with everything you said, and I want to turn back as to why in a few moments, as I want to turn over, uh, turn, come back to your phrase, woke comms, which I love, and we'll get into that. Preliminarily, though, just if I can, talking about the Civil War today, the Civil War in the 19th century, Tom, you must see with me, I assume you do, and, and I wish more did, the how 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 good that analog is, because if you look at the woke comms and what they say about America and our founding, it is precisely the same view and rendering of history that the likes of John C. Calhoun and Alexander Stevens and Jefferson Davis had of our founding. I don't think they know it, but if you want to read what the woke comms are saying about our founding, the Declaration of Independence constitution it's not without historical precedent you can see that same reasoning that same logic that same rendering of history from roger tawney and jefferson davis and i and i, it, I don't fact, think enough people appreciate that point and maybe it's not worthy of appreciation but it's clear as bell to me yeah no i think you're absolutely right what stephen douglas said to abraham lincoln in their famous debate was this is a white country right now stephen douglas thought that was a good thing right Right. The woke comms say, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this is a white country, <laughs> right. but that's the bad thing. Right. And the right. foundation was a lie and the Declaration of Independence. They didn't mean it. And equality didn't embrace black. All of that has been said before. It was just the side that lost the Civil War and the minority of America, by the way. They've all and said that before. A matter of, you know, do you agree with it? Or do you like it or don't you? Right. Right. And we can come back to that, too. Let's go to the phrase, because I love it. Uh, It goes right to it. Woke comms. Let me tell the audience. Uh, You write that Ron DeSantis calls our political opponents a radical vigilante woke mob. Uh, You go on to say that, you know, that's that's an okay phrase. You would prefer a phrase like woke communists or woke comms for short. Talk talk to me about that. I love it. I'm going to use it. Good. Because we need people set to deploy it. Yeah. 
My first point, forget what the name is. We need a name. We have an enemy, but we don't really have a agreed-upon name. It's left or progressive or Marxist or social justice warriors. They're all kind. Well, you can't defeat an enemy if you haven't agreed on a name. Then once you have a name, you have to understand the enemy, where it's going, how it gets to, how it goes about getting where it's going. But you need a name. Woke communism, communism is a totalitarian regime. And a totalitarian regime is one that wants to control all aspects of life, public and private. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not just authoritarian. Right. It is comprehensive and the word woke kind of brings it up to date. And also I would just add one other thing, and this is what I responded to DeSantis, is it's not a woke mob. Okay. It's not a bunch of outlaws, it's a loose confederation, right, of media, of entertainment, of government, of law enforcement, on media. So it's a decentralized, but it's still a totalitarian regime. Well, they are all using the same language, aren't they? And they all are using the same phraseology, and they are all defending one another. I mean, that's one of the interesting things to me about uh, you may or may not agree but it's one of the interesting things to me at least about what we're watching with regard to january 6th i mean i have said from the beginning january 6th whatever one's views on the elections were the rioters were you know self-proclaimed whatevers that no one had ever heard of and 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 were denounced by every republican and conservative anybody had ever ever heard of you don't have that on the liberal left or the democratic party you have a sitting vice president who is bailing out rioters in 2020 i mean it's 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 a very distinct thing they really are um you know maybe a loose confederation but they're all on the other side talking the same language they're all whether some are on the streets actually engaging in the violence or writing the flyers encouraging violence they're all speaking the same they're all singing the same song and they're all using the same language and they're all supporting the same point of view and i think that is different from where we are and um it's 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 not really much to say about the conservative movement except we'll get to that as to those who get it and those who don't but as far as our political opponents, I, I just don't see any distinctions among them at all anymore. I just don't. I, it's the difference between a general and a, and, a, and a sergeant is all I see. There's some confusion for the right, because when we think of a totalitarian regime, we normally think of strong states. We think of Nazi Germany or we think of communist uh, Soviet Union, right, where all the power gets invested in the state, and the state is what dictates. But in this case, as you, you know, you, it doesn't look quite so clear, because as you've noted, it's a bunch of institutions that are acting, even if only informally, in concert, with the same values, each serving a different purpose. You know, one example is the riots of 2020. Right. Well, you had the intellectuals who justified them. The, the corporations who gave billions to Black Lives Matter, the media that promoted this mostly peaceful narrative, and you had the politicians fanning the flames. You mentioned uh, Kamala Harris. Yes, senator from she California bailing the, them, providing bail money for them. Yeah. A- absolutely. So that's a good example, I think, of the various cons- 
constituents of woke communists serving a common end. They didn't sit down in a room, right? Right. Uh, but they have a common uh, viewpoint. Uh, some of it is coordinated, I think, but most of it probably isn't. So it, it probably doesn't need to be co- that coordinated because it's effectively, you know, it's funny. Um, we had a lefty professor, a friend of mine and I did in college, believe it or not. Can you believe it? We had a lefty professor <laughs> and he was, you know, he was teaching us, uh, you know, the Saul Alinsky stuff and all that kind of thing. And my friend went off to uh, went off to war uh, in the first Gulf War. And he said, as I was watching the second war, you know, the second time we went into Iraq, I recognized what our guys were doing. You know, I was trained for this. I was trained for that. I get it He goes, I'm looking at what's going on on the streets uh, during the 2020 riots. And he said, it's the same thing from call. I see exactly what they're doing. We were trained for that, too. It's just that, you know, you and I went a different direction. I don't think they need to coordinate. They've been educated in this stuff and they're all singing from that same song that they, you know, that they grew up on. I think the same lullabies no, they no, grew I, up on. I think, that, I think that's right. And of course, that points to the fundamental problem, which is the stuff they grew up on, right. which is to say education. Right. And I think that DeSantis gets that yes. too. He yes. understands yes. we can't brainwash, particularly our very young children. In fact, as I wrote on, in the email, wrote in response to DeSantis' email, our very young children, we should be teaching them that America is the best country in the world. There's plenty of time to teach them about, you know, our sins. But even when we teach them about our sins, we must do so in the context of other countries, right? Yes, we've sinned, but are we worse? than other countries, and I think not. You have to always keep our sins in a larger uh, perspective. Or, or, or even teach them in comparison to this country. I mean, I think most of the, <coughs> excuse me if you will, I think most of the 1619 woke calm mobs, uh, to listen to them, you would think the South won the Civil War. You would think the South represented the majority of America. You would think the South represent, represented the majority of states in what was antebellum America. You would think that the majority of, uh, of of the military was on the Southern side. None of that is true. None of that. And, you know, that here it is. We probably made more advances in civil rights over the last 50 years mm-hmm. than has ever been made in any society ever. Yep. This is the time that we ought to be taking a bow, patting ourselves on the back. And yet, as you suggest, it looks like, from the other side, they think we're back in 1950s Mississippi. Yep, yep, And yep. And this is just plain absurd. But this is what people, you know, young people people in college, this is what they've been taught for the last 50 years. It used to be, at least there were enough uh, black Americans who lived before the 60s. They could see the kinds of advancements the country has made. But we don't have that. We have 50 years or more of people who have grown up thinking that America has never been racist. And that's going to kill us, because if you think we're racist, if you think we're systemically evil, well, then you want to destroy us. I get it. Ask a high school student, as I did over the weekend, and this is really more for the audience than for you, Tom. I think you'll agree with the point. 
If you want to understand the point Tom is illustrating, ask a high school student, preferably a junior or senior, the older the better, what the Supreme Court did on Friday. Every high school student I said I talked to said the Supreme Court outlawed abortion in America. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what happened. It's a fundamental either lie, or untruth, or misunderstanding that someone taught them, that someone told them, that they read somewhere. This is what we're laboring up against. Right, Tom? Yeah. No. Um, and, of course, you know, they believe that because that's what they're reading and in their textbooks. And uh, now, now, that's something that happened four days ago. Now try and get them to understand something that happened 100 years ago or 60 years ago, but, as you put it. But now let, let me make a slightly different comment about that. Sure. By the way, can I keep uh, you a little bit? I'd love to keep this going if, if, you, if you have a little time. Can I keep you a little more? Sure. Great. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, you know, there's been sort of a, a, a rather momentous rulings, not just Roe, but on religion and guns. Right. And this ought to give conservatives some hope. You know, for the last, I don't know how many years, conservatives have won almost nothing. Right. It feels to me like liberal victories have been piled up one after the other. Yeah. And now we have reason to hope. And so these decisions, I think, are even bigger than the particular subjects that they cover. They ought to give conservatives some reason to think that perhaps we could turn back some of this. Now, the Supreme Court obviously can only turn back so much, right? But even so, it's made me, you know, a little more optimistic, and I think it should make other people a little more optimistic. Tom, on on your phraseology that I like so much, woke comms, short for woke communists. Let's let's look at how closely uh, the communist ethos does run through our political opposition. Uh, almost at every intellectual and practical level, does it? I mean, my favorite hashtag is a friend of mine sent me a T-shirt hashtag MOFA make or make. Orwell fiction again. And, um, you know, you think about what the what the woke mob has brought us with the destruction and change of language. Speech is violence. Violence is mostly peaceful. Peacefully marching is insurrection. Gender changing is gender affirming. Colorblindness is racism. Discrimination is anti-racism. You get the point. I mean, this is right out of 1984 or really any regime in uh, in what used to be the Soviet Union or is in currently uh, in, in current China. We've got, see, if you're in a totalitarian regime, you have to change the way people think about things. Right. How they understand themselves in the world. Right. And we do that significantly through language. Mm -hmm. So you have to change the language. And you have to shut down people who are speaking some other truth. I mean, this may be a little off, um, but, you know, you can, the other side's got to get rid of homeschooling. Why? Because it provides an opportunity for parents to speak a different language, mm-hmm. right, to express different ideas. And those kind of sources of heterodox ideas have to be plugged in the same way we have to use the police state, right, mm-hmm. to enforce uh, the approved ideology. Mm-hmm. So I think if you look you compared recent stuff on totalitarianism. I think Rod Dreher's book, Live Not by Lies, is a very good book. Mm-hmm. 
where he tries to explain totalitarianism and how so much of modern day life or modern liberal life conforms. Obviously, Fulton Easton is, you know, probably the best guide. But think about totalitarianism. It's police state. It's censorship. The narrative, Mm -hmm. you know, our narrative as America is systemically racist. The scapegoat. All totalitarian regimes have a scapegoat. They might be the Jews. In this case, they're the white males. Mm -hmm. So think about all the elements of a totalitarian regime, controlling the media, obviously, is a big one. Um, Think about all those elements and try to translate them to what you're seeing today. I think that's very important and the lines are easily drawn. I, let, let's add forced confessions, or at least uh, implied forced confessions, and then we can reference Vaclav Havel's 1978 essay on the power of the powerlessness, that great description he has of why the greengrocer puts the workers of the world unite sign in his window, not because he believes it, but because he has to do it, right? Right. We have that, too. Well, the other thing, Stan, uh, of totalitarian regimes, I, I think it's the heart of darkness that yep. talks about this is, um, you know, people confessing the crimes they didn't commit. Uh, also that, yes. And <laughs> yes, we, we are just see, stacking you know, it. Yeah. We see that, you know, when, um, you know, they, they find something that you wrote 20 years ago that's politically incorrect. At the end of the day, you apologize for something that you didn't really do. And even worse, you apologize and it doesn't help you. Yeah. Right? It just... It fires up the mob. Oh, by the way, that is the magic of Ron DeSantis. No retreat, baby, no surrender, right? I mean, that's what he has shown. Don't apologize. Well, that, you know, I, I just filmed a speech called The Virtues of Trump. And the, and the point of it was, let's not throw away Trump right now. Trump had unbelievable courage mm-hmm. and unmitigated patriotism mm-hmm. and such distrust of experts. He was a bona fide outsider. Forget all the great policy stuff, which he did, but it's the rest of him is important. And you don't know the courage it takes to withstand the kind of gale and ab- relentless abuse that he was subject to unless you yourself were in the eye of the storm. And well, so the question to me for DeSantis, and I'm encouraged, but I think the jury's still out, does he have that kind of courage on a national scale? And we'll see. I think probably like you, uh, to me, it's Trump or DeSantis. I don't see anybody else close. hundred percent. Tom, the thing I wanted to push on uh, just a little bit with you or explore just a little bit with you, if I might, is what you just said about Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis have been in the eye of that storm. They have taken uh, slings and arrows and and perhaps have have the calluses a little bit better than others. But I wonder I wonder if you're more right than 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 you even say in your essay about the strength of a Ron DeSantis or what you just said about the strength of a Donald Trump in understanding the war we're in. Because the truth is, uh, I think that you see other Republicans in history, uh, your Ronald Reagans, your Barry Goldwaters, even your Bushes, when they were running for office, when they were in power, a lot of the same things were said about them. The racist, the bigotry, that kind of thing. It just didn't have maybe perhaps the spread because of social media and cable not being around. 
But a lot of them, particularly the Bushes, the Romneys, they didn't want to fight. They they kind of they kind of almost had what I call a uh, a conservative Stockholm syndrome. They kind of had this feeling that maybe the other side had a point a little bit. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and some of the others, maybe Tom Cotton's in there. We could maybe think of a handful of others, certainly Jim Jordan. They 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 see it for what it is, and they're willing to have the fight and throw the punch right back. Right. But I think to fight and punch back, you first have to understand that you're in a war. Right. George Bush wasn't exactly in a war. Okay. Uh, George Bush may have been an okay president. It would have been a terrible president. Yeah, would be a terrible president like Vice, uh, Vice President Pence. Now, you know, Trump, as I've often said, was just the person for our time, our circumstances. Um probably would have been a really bad president uh, other times. The question is, is he the right president in 2024? Mm -hmm. It's a different time. Mm -hmm. If I could make an analogy in business, there's time for the entrepreneur to start the business, right? There's certain qualities of an entrepreneur, but then there comes a time the business is on its feet and you need a more managerial type. Right. It's a crude kind of analogy, but I think one could argue that Trump has set the table. Yep. He's shown us what the issues are. Mm-hmm. He didn't cause any divide in this country. He exposed the divide. Right. We know what the issues are. The Republican Party is a different party. It's not the party of Reagan. It's not just small government free economic and free um, market capitalism. Right. It's bigger. And it focuses, in a way, on more important things, that being the overall well-being of human beings, which is more than just economic well-being. So Trump has done a lot, right? And the question is, is he the best one to, to take the next step? I don't think DeSantis would have done anything as well as Trump did last time around. But this time around... You know, I think there's a strong case to be made. And I think they're going to be. Uh, yeah. I, and I think there's going to be, a, you know, a few more following in Trump footsteps. I mean, it is interesting to see a lot of candidates across the country not only wanting Trump's endorsement, but kind of, you know, campaigning along along the way. Donald Trump has campaigned and spoken about the issues the way he has, particularly showing no fear of the media. I think that's an interesting one. Now, I don't know if the media got its revenge on him ultimately in 2020 or not, particularly with the laptop story. I think they would have done it anyway. But he and DeSantis have both shown that if you know what you're doing or at least know what you're talking about and have the truth on your side, there is no there should be no fear in going head to head with them. A lot of Republicans today and in times past, you know, they would cower in front of a university professor or a journalist. And, you know, you mentioned Tom Cotton. I like Tom. I think he's good, but even he, is he too beholden to the press? Is he willing, as DeSantis and Trump were willing, are willing, to say, F you, mm-hmm. I don't give a damn what you think. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tailor my message. I don't care if you call me a fascist or a racist. I'm going to speak what I think is the truth. Does Tom Cotton have that? I haven't. Maybe he does. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Early. 
but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I, I think I think the jury's out on that, and I think the opportunities might might be a little different uh, in an executive position when you're up against it on these kinds of issues, maybe. But we'll see. I, uh, there's no daylight uh, uh, between us on, on 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 the way you're seeing things. I did want to circle back, and if only for the audience's sake, to something you had put uh, your finger on as well: the campaign on homeschooling. It's an interesting thing. Yes, we can read Rod Dreher and we can read Vaclav Havel and we can read George Orwell and uh, Solzhenitsyn. I'm encouraging people to read Chapter 2 of the Communist Manifesto. I mean, it is right there where you see Karl Marx talking about the importance of vanishing the American family through the use of social education. I mean, for those who were watching the BLM riots and saw on their agenda the uh, the dis, the dis, the uh, the the uh, the 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 call to uh, dismember and uh, disrupt the American family. For those that had read the Communist Manifesto, we understood it. No surprise that the founders of that movement claimed to be trained Marxists, right? I mean, these are woke comms because they are communists, Tom. That there's there's no short circuiting that fact. In fact, you know that that points to an advantage of the riot. It allowed us to see where they were going. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most important uh, guidepost is one you just mentioned. In the uh, BLM mission statement was a specific call to disrupt yep. the nuclear family. Right. Now, that was a little too much for the American public, so they took it out. But just because they took it out doesn't mean that they still want to go there defunding the police. Well, that was a little bit too much. Right. It shows us where they're going. Or, you know, this, um, what do they call this, uh, in the Department of Homeland Security's this disinformation Disinformation board. campaign, yeah, the, the disinformation, right. disinformation Bureau, right, right. And here, here they are, they're going to promote democracy, they say, by limiting free speech. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, that, that's another example of they've gone a little ahead of themselves, yeah. right? They now say they have to pause. Yeah. But don't think there aren't they aren't going to come back to it the time is you know not right now but it will be the time so you want to be looking for all these um you know telltale signs tells yeah no these are tells they are exactly right tom klingenstein exactly right all right i have hit my limit here uh according to uh my commercial schedule but tom klingenstein what a treat and what a delight. AmericanMind.org, if you want to read his piece, The Appeal of Ron DeSantis. And let's start the new phraseology on this show, WokeComs. He did it in print. We're doing it on air. WokeCom. Tom Klingenstein, bless you, sir. Godspeed. Thanks very much. You betcha. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.